Black History Month was first celebrated in the UK in 1987 and was intended to celebrate and recognise the contribution and achievements of those with African or Caribbean heritage. It's also an opportunity for people to learn more about the effects of racism and how to challenge negative stereotypes. The prominence of the Black Lives Matter movement following the death of George Floyd has brought more people into the conversation about black culture and injustices that black people have historically endured. However, as well as highlighting injustices, the event is also about the celebration of black culture and the positive contribution that black people continue to make to the UK life and culture. Pick Everard employs 14% of its staff from BAME backgrounds, which is in line with population figures, suggesting that 13.8% of the UK's population are from black or other ethnic minority backgrounds. We're really proud to be an inclusive employer and to champion Black History Month. To discuss inclusion in the workplace, black leadership and what it means to be a black British professional in the UK today, I am joined by my Pick Everard colleagues, Tomi Aluku, People and Culture Business Partner, Sean Johns, BIM Performance Manager, and Elizabeth Hardwick-Smith, Group People and Culture Director. Tomi comes from a Nigerian background, arriving in the UK age nine, while Sean was born in Jamaica and brought up between the UK and Jamaica. Elizabeth Hardwick-Smith also joins us to provide us with a company perspective on Black History Month and what it means to pick Everard. I'm Jennifer Cottrell, People and Culture Business Partner, and I'll be hearing the views of our panel on Black History Month, celebrating black culture, and in keeping with this year's Black History Month theme, why our panellists are hashtag proud to be. Well, thank you very much to our panel for being here today. Um, we've obviously got Tony, who comes from, um, you were born in Nigeria. Sean, you are born in Jamaica. You're obviously um, uh, sort of living in Britain now. Can you explain to us what, what Black History Month means to you both? I'll let you go first. Um, I think for me, Black History Month is kind of just an opportunity to share um, celebrate and really understand the impact of black heritage and culture in our society today. Um, I think this year, especially for me, is about celebrating myself um, as a young black professional, um, as well as other people who I look up to who are consistently breaking barriers in the industry um, and making a real difference. Thank you. Sean, what does it mean um, to you? It's a chance to expand my knowledge base about mm -hmm. black history, which yeah. um, you don't sort of actively think to expand naturally just it's a good push to think about more um, mm. more more about history really yeah and do you feel that's something that was missing from your i mean because obviously both educated in the uk uh, i'm assuming and if you for were telling me sean you had a little bit of right um, so for moving me, around didn't you that question's mm. an odd one because i think i um i've had a bit a very diverse upbringing yeah. i lived in california for two years yeah. and a lot of people know that and yeah. i spent most of my formative years in Jamaica so I lived here up to, so I lived in Britain from I'd say birth to four so my mum mm. was born in Sheffield so she'll yeah. go back to Sheffield because that's what she knew about yeah. um, but um, and I came back at 16 so I did have 12 solid years outside mm. of um, mm. the UK to sort of figure out myself or discover myself yeah. as a black man yeah. I guess and I'm now discovering that um, the person you become as a black man in Jamaica may not necessarily be the right. same person you become mm. if you're sort of living in England at the time. And I know your yeah. experience probably is the inverse. Am I right in saying that? Because you'd have spent your formative years. Yeah, um, I feel like everything you learn about your sort of your culture, um, your heritage is sort of the limits is home. Right. Um, the society, school doesn't teach you anything. Right. Um, and even when you learn about history, 
you don't there's nothing really about black history mm-hmm. so i think you don't realize it until maybe you come into a place of work and yeah. you're like oh yeah actually there is a lot more to be covered like we should you know we should be able to pick up those things as part of our curriculum growing up I think. yeah i was going to say were you conscious of the fact that there wasn't any black history on, on the syllabus when you were growing up or? to be honest i don't think so yeah i don't think so um i think it's good because we had a sense of belonging definitely um there was other people that looked like you in school in my school particularly um so i didn't feel i didn't feel that at all i think only stepping into your adult years do you start to pick up on some of these things yeah yeah for me again it's pretty much the same i didn't realize it until i became a parent and i thought Mm. all right Um, i remember asking my son a few years ago when he just started school um, are there any other black kids in his class and he said there are no black kids in my class. I said, what about you? He's like, I'm brown. <laughs> so, so, uh, that's about yeah. year one pro reception. I'm not sure exactly, but he mm, yeah. obviously not really understanding racial mm, lines yeah. and all that. It was very interesting, actually, because yeah. the child doesn't see colour in that way. No, no. So, that's so, very interesting. They're very literal when they do. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter came home and there was a, um, an Indian child in the class and she described him as, um, she said his name and then said with the brown skin. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> jumping on her thinking, that's such a terrible thing to say she's that's incredibly child. racist and then when I thought about it I thought mm. oh hang on she's just saying literally what, exactly what she sees yeah. she's not she's not saying that that is bad or mm. that is good she's just saying that that's yeah. what it did take a while for me to convince my son that he was black which is yeah. funny because um, we said it, we don't mean black as in my mobile phone is black we mean yeah. black as in where you're from it's like yeah. oh but I'm from Guildford you always tell me I'm from Guildford yeah. <laughs> so that was a whole, that was a whole other aspect of it yeah. I was like oh dear yeah that because my son's, um, he's four, yeah. and probably about three, four months ago, he said, oh, you know, mommy, I'm black, and you're black, and daddy's yeah. black. Yeah. But I've never said that to him. Yeah. And that's obviously come from nursery school. Yeah. But it's like, oh, so they have that consciousness. Whereas when yeah. even I was 11, 12, 13, 14, I don't even think that was really you know, a conscious thing. Do you think, I mean, you know, a question in terms of, do you think that your children, given that they have been born in the UK, they've Mm -hmm. grown up in the UK, are they, do you think they're conscious of what being black means or do you think that that's starting to change for for them? Do you think it means something different in terms of what it means to you? I think at present, just because of age, they're conscious of it only Mm -hmm. to, you know, to limited standards, so literally the colour of the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're in, they're conscious of mm-hmm. what that means culturally, what that means in any other way mm-hmm. apart from just the colour of their skin, just because obviously, you know, for me, my son is still quite young, mm-hmm. so I don't think that knowledge isn't there yet. Definitely mm-hmm. not. Okay. For me, sure. my son's eight and a half, and mm-hmm. um, just recently, actually, my wife and I have made a little bit more of an effort to try to explain to him that he may be of Jamaican Caribbean descent mm-hmm. but he is very much English just as any, yeah. anyone else is yeah. and that's my can I say problem with sort of boxes that we tend yeah. to fall into yeah. is that we don't realize that we can be many things we don't have to be just yeah. black or we don't have to be mm-hmm. can I say yeah. just gay or just yes. it, yeah. it could be you could be whatever you yeah. want whatever you're most comfortable feeling yeah. mm-hmm. and um, so I as I just mentioned about Guildford I said I tend to remind my son that he's actually not Jamaican because mm-hmm. I don't consider him his version yeah. of patois to be anything I mm-hmm. think is acceptable mm-hmm. but he yeah. doesn't know where he's from so yeah. that's yeah. the um, mm-hmm. balance that I'm trying yeah. to it's because you don't you don't want to 
um, forget where you are culturally where you live now is important just as where you're from yeah and yeah. I think that's the the boundary that mm-hmm. I'm sort of always aware of or trying to be aware of like we speak another language at home so right. we speak Yoruba yeah. yeah um and my husband and I realize we don't we don't speak as as, as frequently as probably we mm-hmm. should um and now we realize Israel doesn't have a clue yeah so when I say things to him he's like what are you saying <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. think you know consciously now I'm trying my best I would like him to understand um but yeah it's very interesting that he just looks at me like no I don't understand what you're saying <laughs> yeah. at all yeah we speak so Jamaicans do speak English but it's a it's a it's like you living in Newcastle or, or um, yeah, Liverpool yeah, really. it's just yeah, an accent it's a but it's, it's a dialect so it's very interesting when he says these words and you think Oh, you just butchered my, my dialect. <laughs> However, it's important that he does try to, yeah. to assimilate to that sort of thing in it. Yeah. So, yeah. again, he's never, in my opinion, and this is just my personal opinion, he's never going to be the Jamaican I am, yeah. but then I'm not the Jamaican some other Jamaican is, yeah. and yeah. neither am I the black person that you know told me is we're all very you know, yeah. unique in our own way it's not just our yeah. skin color yeah. So, yeah i think this is the thing because again i was at my my sister-in-law is black and i was at her 30th birthday party which was at an afro-caribbean center in um in dudley and i was talking to my mum about it afterwards because it was a fantastic event really enjoyed it and i said oh yeah you know they're, they're a jamaican family and this is obviously what jamaican families do and then i stopped because i went <laughs> This is what one Jamaican family right. does, mm. not what yeah. every Jamaican family does. It's you know, and it's those things you have to consciously correct yourself on. Stereotypes are, I mean, sorry to cut you off. Stereotypes yeah. are important, and they are often are true. Yeah. I mean, there's no coincidence that, um, for example, come back to um, so I'm. We'll get on to pride a bit a bit later on, yeah. but there's not a coincidence that um, the Caribbean is known for sprinters, yeah. whereas I think, and forgive me, Tommy, because I don't know a lot about Africa. I'll be very um, despite it being my, you know, origin historically, yeah. um, there are pockets of Africa, Ethiopia, I believe, are very good at distance running. Yes, yeah. And these stereotypes, it may, it, it, they, it, they're true. Whether or not we, you know, embrace them or not, there are reasons for that. Scientifically, enough, a lot of the times, and I don't think those are any, those things are anything to be frowned upon. It's just that we, once you're aware of it, you know, just acknowledge it. Yeah, I think it's when they get negatively attributed. Right. Isn't it? I think right. that's the problem, isn't it? Is so that when we say, you know, ensuring that it doesn't go into that yeah, um, inappropriate yeah, space. Yeah. No, that's great. Liz, can I bring you in at this point just to talk about what does Black History Month mean to, to Pick Everard? Yeah, absolutely. So we marked Black History Month for the first time last year. Um, and I learned an awful lot, actually, um, by, by marking that as a, as a business. Um, I think at the time it was all about celebrating and understanding difference and understanding cultural difference and histories, mm-hmm. etc. I know this year is particularly focused on sharing personal stories yeah. and successes as well. Um, but as I say, I, I learned an awful lot. I learned about how people adjust their behaviours mm-hmm. in the workplace, mm-hmm. yeah. how they might not lift their hand up for opportunity, mm-hmm. and how um, some of their experiences socially can have such a major impact on who they are in the yeah. workplace as well. So it's a massive education piece for me and for everybody yes, else yeah. in this business. That's yeah. important to carry that through each yeah. year. And I think it's the education that's so important, isn't it? You know, and understanding a little bit more, and understanding what what people might need in the workplace that is 
different from the white sort of you know experience absolutely yeah. absolutely and it's it's not enough to treat everybody the no. same yeah you know we've, we've got to um know that mm-hmm. um people need something different we've got to yeah. adapt and we've got to perhaps approach people in a different way yeah sometimes so. yeah definitely definitely um i wanted to talk about attitudes um particularly with you sean and um tommy you know, what have you seen that is different in terms of how black people are treated in terms of attitude compared to sort of 10, 20 or even, you know, even longer ago? You know, does it give you hope for the future or do you think there's still a lot of change that, that's required? Um, I think for me, I feel there has been a shift. Mm. Obviously, I might not be able to comment on maybe 20 years ago, mm. but I can certainly over the last maybe decade. Um, I think that's due to travel, there's like globalisation, people yeah. are becoming more aware um, that mm-hmm. there are different types of people, races, cultures mm-hmm. um, across the UK and beyond. Um, I feel like black people will now feel a lot more um, included, people mm-hmm. feel like they belong more. Yeah. Um, I think even schools, universities are recognising that. Um, I know last year Oxford were very you know, focus on bringing in, you know, more people from ethnic minorities. Um, I think 2019, they had 106 people from BAME, ethnic minority Mm. backgrounds, and then 2020 was like Mm. 600 and something. Mm. So that's massive. Um, So definitely, I think there is a shift, Um, improvements are happening, Um, but definitely there's still statistics out there that do show that there are these inequalities mm-hmm. um there was um in 2019 um a racism at work survey yeah. um that was published by manchester university that said 70 percent of black and ma- minor- minority ethnic groups have been racially harassed mm-hmm. at work yeah. so obviously these statistics show that mm-hmm. there is still improvements to be made yeah. um i think we've definitely come a long way um definitely come a long way but I think there's still so much more to be done. Yeah, um, yeah. I, th- I think it's about the whole journey, isn't it? It yeah. sounds like there's been loads of proactive efforts being mm-hmm. made to mm-hmm. encourage people into into education, yeah. and um, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. attract people in their early career. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. there's still more that we can do, but, mm-hmm. but there are those proactive efforts. But it's mm-hmm. it's carrying it through mm-hmm. someone's yeah. entire career journey, yeah. and I don't yeah. think we're quite getting no. that like no. that. And what we each need. It, um, a different point in our career life. Mm. Yeah. For me, it was um, not an issue at all, if I, if I can be totally honest with you. Um, but my attitude was very much um, looking onto sports or looking at sports icons, let's say. Mm. And um, it, an odd story about the attitude, actually. I used to watch, I'm very big basketball, was yeah. a basketball yeah. fan. And I remember watching Michael Jordan, and um, but I was very, I, I sort of understand the game a bit more mm. than just watching ball go through the hoops. Mm. And I remember there's this one, he's a coach now actually, Steve Kerr, mm. but he was white. In my, because I was about probably, I don't know, seven, eight mm. at the time, I, wouldn't, I couldn't understand why nobody sort of paid attention to Steve Kerr mm. because obviously Michael Jordan was a star and everybody yeah, globally yeah. knows that he's a star. Yeah. And it was only afterwards that, well, he's sort of not as important because Michael Jordan is the main, the main, um, the main, sh- uh, main point of the show. Mm. However, you come to realise that in a team, everyone's got you mm. know, their, own, their own sort mm. of um, yeah. values. And then later on now mm. to come to realise that the whole, you know, footballers taking the knee and all that, those initiatives, mm. how some footballers, and it's it's different when the black ones don't take the knee because yeah. they're making a different statement, which is mm. fine. But it's also equally confusing, I could say, 
when um, a white colleague or um, professional you know teammate may not mm. decide to do that um, yeah. so those are the sorts of challenges I think that attitude wise mm. I've been very blase been very despondent historically mm. about it but I've now sort of and then, again, being a parent, I think there's a lot more responsibility in my mind anyway, on myself to pay attention to it more. Yeah. It's very easy, whether you're black or white, I believe, um, to ignore it or not really pay too much attention. And I think it, it does need to be looked at and addressed in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, it was my personal understanding yeah. of my attitude to, again, it was, in my mind, it was not racial, it was more the way you know people interact with each mm. other but then when you put that on the racial stage mm. there are subtle hints that you think maybe i mean to be very honest yeah i was in the office about two weeks ago and someone this is i think colorful i think colorful someone of um, asian descent said mm. something of the lines of oh that guy's got our type of money he's loaded i thought that's probably not politically correct. Mm-hmm. However, it wasn't in a malicious way. It was to just in an appropriate way. So it's, yeah. it's one of those things that now I think I do I do pay attention personally to those mm-hmm. sorts of attitudes and I do have an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think probably 10 or 15 years ago, I probably didn't care too yeah. much. Yeah. And I think as long as we can raise awareness, mm-hmm. sorry, it makes it more, um, more open. It gives the platform for people to understand because a lot of it's ignorance I think yeah I mean one of the things I wanted to raise is when I was preparing for this I was reading an article and it was actually in the Guardian and they were talking to uh, they'd been out and, and spoken to uh, sort of black people in, in communities and said to them you know about Black History Month what does it mean to you do you support it mm-hmm. and one of the um, people that they spoke to said well I did I did support it but now I don't anymore mm-hmm. and the reason was after the England football um, final and obviously um, the three black players missed the penalties and obviously they received all that racist abuse uh, and um, I think so, it was two. Was it two? I don't know the facts. It, it, yeah, it was Marcus Rashford, and, um, Saka. Saka, and Sancho, Jordan Sancho. Oh right, yeah, okay, sorry, so it was yeah. three. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was three. So three yeah. black players received this abuse, and um, they were saying, well, you know, even they said, well, a white person would have got that abuse, but not to the extent a black person would have done. Yeah. And black people have to be ten times better right. than the average white person mm-hmm. and that's why I'm not supporting it anymore because what we're not recognising mm-hmm. is that you know black people have to work harder just mm-hmm. to be accepted mm-hmm. um, and just to you know do things that we consider normal mm-hmm. in other mm-hmm. other you know sort of racial groups particularly mm-hmm. white groups mm-hmm. is that something that you've experienced do you think or something you've seen in, in well, other people growing up um, I had an uncle who used to always say don't ever forget that you're black um, mm-hmm. and actually you're never going to be the same um, mm-hmm. as white person in in school at work um, you're never going to have the same advantages um, and you should never forget that but I think as I've grown up um, with my own experiences Mm. I I don't I no longer feel like that I would never say that to my son Um, I would always say that you are the same as everybody Mm -hmm. else you do have the same opportunities um, because I think if you set out already feeling as if you are at a disadvantage that's how you're going to act you're not going to pursue the opportunities that probably you could get you know you're not going to pursue the things the great things that are in front of you because already you have a consciousness that you're not going to be you know as good as as anybody else but i don't think that's actually the case i think actually you know you have 
you know, you have control. Um, there are some instances where, yes, you know, you could be disadvantaged against, um, you could be looked down upon, but I don't think that's the norm. Right. Um, actually, I think it, it does happen in small instances, but I think you have control, you know, you have access to the same things. Um, and I feel like if you work as hard, you know, you will get those results. Um, but if you find that you are in situations where maybe you feel like you are being disadvantaged, um, then I think you should have, you know, you have the voice to raise, mm -hmm. to raise that. But yes, I think I agree that we all have equal opportunities, mm -hmm. um, but there are some small instances where yeah. unfortunately, you know, people um, do experience those, you know, those I, negative I think, things. I think that's why role modelling is so important yeah. as yeah. well, yeah. as you're right. That is sort of what becomes a sort of an external message then mm -hmm. becomes an internal message mm -hmm. and you're saying to yourself every day, mm -hmm. I'm not the same, yeah. I'm not going to be, yeah. you know, yeah. as good, etc. But if you've got yeah. the role models yeah. there yeah. who are pushing boundaries and getting out there in yeah. front of people, then you can yeah. say, actually, yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that, that is something that's I want to aspire yeah, exactly. to be. I gave a talk exactly. to a group of NTU, Nottingham Trent University students, mm -hmm. um, I think it was in 2019, it might have been quite a long time ago, but the lecturer said to me at the time that, um, and she wasn't being racially rude or anything, mm -hmm. she said, there are, there are a few ladies in the class at the minute that we're having a, few, a bit of trouble with, um, they feel like they're being vilified, they're being picked on for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Would you mind coming and have a chat to have a chat with them? I'm like, well, I'm not a lady, so I can't really. Have a yes, yeah. um, yeah. It's not. Don't, don't worry about that. She said, you know, just carry, just come and have a chat with with people and talk generally. And um, I then realised that you can build up something in your mind that makes you think that the world is against you, mm -hmm. whether it's because you're from an ethnic minority background, mm -hmm. whether or not you might not have as much um, financial, um, you know, mm -hmm. money might not be there in your family as um, in other families. And these things do tend to make you think that you need to be mm -hmm. better or work harder. But um, I think sport is probably the obvious one for me. If you're good, there's no denying it. Mm -hmm. And I think in professional terms as well, if you're dedicated and staying focused, mm -hmm. it sh and I, I don't want to be too flippant about it, if you're doing the right things, mm -hmm. the right things will happen, in, in my mm -hmm. opinion. I mean, you could have taken your uncle's advice and thought, mm -hmm. hmm, how do I, how do, I do this? You mm -hmm. know, you, it could have, you could have had a negative look on that, mm -hmm. but you decided to make it positive. Yeah. And that, I'm, in my opinion, doesn't mm -hmm. have anything to do with your race. It's mm -hmm. just that, you've made that mindset. It did have something mm -hmm. to do with your background. Mm -hmm. I mean, my uncle, for example, I remember my grandfather telling me that um, my uncle's raised in Sheffield, or sorry, born in Sheffield, but I think he's raised in Jamaica slash, um, slash Manchester. Mm -hmm. But he's a master craftsman. He's, um, he, my grandfather taught him some exceptional mm -hmm. craftsmanship mm -hmm. with um, carpentry. However, he just never believed that he needed to work Mm. the way you know he, he does it for fun or does it when he wants to mm. um and i think that mindset probably mm. isn't anything to do with my grandfather's or my mm. grandmother's side of it it is purely my uncle just not wanting to mm -hmm. be anything other than what he felt like he mm. wanted to be mm. and i think that's where there is a racial or there can be racial lines drawn mm. because you can make the assumption that because my uncle's black he has decided that or sorry, because he's black, that has meant that he's not capable of, you know, something or another. And I think mm. those are the sorts of mm. challenges that we do mm. face because there, there isn't the leadership 
you know, I mean, um, we can look and there are very few black politicians. Yeah. And I think that, um, not that I aspire to politics at all, <laughs> but, uh, but that can be, you know, you might say, oh, I've got no reason to, to do my very best because I've got nowhere to go other than where I, I am at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm honest with you, I've never actually paid attention to it. I know there are lots of black architects and designers, mm-hmm. but I personally, I don't know if it was subconsciously, never really paid attention to it mm. until it was mm. a bit more obvious. And now yeah. I do see it quite a lot, which yeah. is probably not a bad yeah. thing. Well, I think, sorry, Tony, I was just going to say, I think definitely with um, our generation, we're mm. definitely breaking boundaries. Mm. Um, I was speaking to your colleague downstairs earlier and um, just saying I'm so proud mm-hmm. um, of so many people that I studied with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have friends who are barristers, mm-hmm. who are solicitors, mm-hmm. who are doctors, like, you know, business owners. I think we're breaking barriers um, as, as as young people in general, mm-hmm. not even just race. Yeah. So I think we're not, we don't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, you tell me no, um, I'll find a way to do it somehow. Um, so I think there's a culture shift generally. Um, I think, and it's now, it's not dependent on the colour of your skin. Mm. I think either way, this generation is, you know, determined to succeed. Mm. Either way. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I believe that's true. I think if, you're, if you've got the drive and you've got the interest, yeah. you'll be fine, in my opinion. I know it's not always so easy. Um, yeah. This will go out to, to the, those with access to social media, those mm-hmm. who are mm-hmm. in the professional sphere. But um, mm-hmm. leadership mm-hmm. for me probably begins at the um, secondary, primary mm-hmm. school level, even because those are the um, ages that. Um, and I, I can't say this from a personal experience because I was never sort of. I didn't think about that really mm-hmm. when I was that age, but I do see how yeah. that can have a massive impact on um, the next generation. I, um, yeah. I was watching, yeah. again, a massive sports fan. It's what I do to distract <laughs> myself from, um, from my um, obsession Life. of architecture. And, uh, but um, I was watching Formula One the other day and Lewis Hamilton had like a kilt on. Mm-hmm. And I was watching with my son and I thought, oh, how cool. But they kept describing it as a kilt. And it wasn't a kilt. He was wearing a dress. And I thought, the commentators being so politically correct mm. to not describe it, he was not wearing a kilt. But, yeah, yeah. And then my son is there thinking, oh, it's fine, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, yeah. okay, but my yeah. wife, who probably is a bit more Jamaican, and my wife's full life was spent yeah. in Jamaica. So I didn't actually remember to ask her about it, but I'm fairly confident that I know her well enough to this. She'd be like, why is Lewis Hamilton wearing a kilt? You know, that yeah, sort of yeah. And he's comfortable in what he's wearing, you know, yeah. and that's the sort of thing that um, I think there are lots of um, aspects of black history that probably ignores um, the racial, sorry, the, the sexual divide as well. I mean, mm. um, homophobia, I grew up I grew up in a country that is, was very homophobic yeah. when I was growing yeah. up, and I would say awful things, and I remember I was at... Um, at uni once and they're just talking really awfully about this guy that was yeah. uh, alleged to be um, gay and um, I, di- I didn't say anything in it just always I always go back to that moment where again black guys making inappropriate mm. comments about another black guy being gay but then yeah. I, remember, I, I remember when I went to London in 2007 I think to, for my first job and it was it was a different experience there was no mm is he gay or doesn't no one cared about whether or not you're gay and i thought that's amazing that probably probably six months before that i was not i wasn't um, i think if you're quiet in these things if Mm. you're if you're silent with these bullying Mm. things going on you're complicit because silence Mm. unfortunately means that Mm. but um 
if I was, that's probably one of my biggest regrets regarding attitudes to homophobia, racial, you know, those sorts of things. Mm. I'd probably want to go back and try to, you know, educate in a way that wasn't too pushy. But mm. I think those sorts of things where we're in a society now, mm. fortunately, that doesn't stereotype mm. and doesn't categorize people in that way. I'm quite no. proud of that. Really. Yeah, no, I think that's in that, that's good. Um, can I just talk about inclusion in the workplace? Um, so, you know, I want to put it to, to everybody. What steps do you think workplaces can do to promote inclusion at work? You know, particularly thinking to make, you know, black people feel more comfortable in the workplace, but, but more generally as well. I think for me, it's about um, providing multiple routes for people mm. to um, share their ideas and share their feedback. So mm. some of the things that have worked well um, for us have been our staff forums yeah. and inviting people to sort of come along and talk about um, particular topics mm. and share um, what some of the issues are mm. that are, that are you know they're experiencing mm. right now and, and also collectively look at what some solutions mm. might mm. be. Um, I said earlier about the need to approach people more. I think we okay. need to do that because you might not always get the right people putting their hand mm. up mm-hmm. um, or a diverse enough group. But I think that's a really positive mm. step forward to to include people and their yeah. opinions. Yeah. Anything from your experiences, Tony and Sean? Um, I think for me, the first thing is, I think that we have done over the last probably 12 months um, here at PIX, um, is really just understanding and being genuine that yes, there is there is an issue um, and here is our stance on it. This is how we want to address it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, we've started with different initiatives on diversity, yeah. not just BAME, um, but across, across fields, um, whether it's disability, um, gender. And I think that's the starting point. Um, I don't think it's something that we can do just for accolades. I think mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a genuine commitment um, to change um, and measurable change as well. I think we need to be able to measure how far we come and not just do things just because um, you know maybe just for, just for the gram or just <laughs> for how it looks. Um, yeah. But you know I think definitely things that we're already trialing out um, is you know diversity and inclusion training right from induction so people understand that this is who we are. Mm-hmm. This is our stance on these matters. Yeah. Um, and if you want to be a part of us, um, you know. You need to also be a part of this as well. Um, I think um, building line manager capacity on, you know, subconscious biases as well, um, so that as people grow, um, you know, in their roles as well and grow, take on these these roles of management, they also understand how their actions um, yeah. can impact other people um, as well. And I think just general, you know, celebration of these diverse events, whether it's Black History Month, it's Diwali, Multicultural Days, yeah. um, so that people understand that, yes, we are working for a multicultural fan. Yeah. I remember walking past Walkinson's couple of days ago and I saw a poster and it had you know um, these are d- different languages that all our staff yeah, speak yeah. and I was like oh, that's gosh. absolutely amazing yeah, amazing, you know yeah. how amazing would it be like to walk into a firm and you see you know world map pointed out different yeah. countries and different yeah. origins and and I think yeah. yeah that's definitely the route you know we're going as a firm I think yeah. we're definitely heading the right direction um, yeah. and I think it's just you know, being able to measure our progress um, yeah. as we go along. Yeah, I think we're more consciously thinking about our sort of our policies and our practices yeah, as well, aren't we? Yeah. Sort of saying, for example, the hybrid working mm-hmm. that we've just um, mm-hmm. implemented, thinking mm-hmm. about how does this impact yeah. different cultures and yeah. what they need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So opening up those conversations yeah. a lot more. Answer to question is as well is that we did in Picaverov we did used to have a Christmas shutdown, didn't we? That where we had the um, holiday, had to use holiday mm-hmm. at Christmas. We've actually uh, not using that anymore, and people can use it throughout the year, which we feel is opening up 
opportunities. That is something that, yeah, that we're newly introduced and recognising yeah. yeah. that that Chris, compulsory Christmas break yeah. isn't suitable yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Um, so people want greater flexibility how they're yeah. going to use that leave at different points in the year, yeah. for different times that yeah, are, we'll, are yeah, relevant we'll be, to them. Yeah, we'll be um, looking at doing that. So obviously if someone wants to leave, you know, leave freed or, you know, Diwali or whatever, right. they can take it then instead of having it at Christmas. Religi- yeah, I think religious... Um, lines tend to uh, you, you sort of have to do with what the system says you know Christmas yeah. is shut down but not um, Ramadan or you know or other um, religious holidays and yeah. I think that's quite an interesting initiative it's a new way of working yeah hybrid <laughs> yeah. you know it, it's opened up it's lots beautiful. of new avenues and that's something that's come out of the yeah. Star Forum so yeah. it's a, you know it's a live example of how we've reached out to our people who've said actually we want something different yeah absolutely year. yeah We're structured yeah mm. definitely definitely um, I wanted to talk quickly about code switching now I know you both spoke about code switching um, you've spoken separately to, to me about it mm. can you talk to us about what that is um, and how it manifests itself um, I think it's just generally, you know, they, that time is, you know, used when someone feels the need to maybe change their accents, you know, their tone, their mannerisms, um, depending on, you know, the space that they're in. Um, and I think, you know, lots of um, young people um, of colour have felt the need to do that within mm-hmm. a workplace. Yeah. Um, so that's generally what it is. Yeah. Um, have I... Yeah, and do you, yeah, do you, you know, do you feel that you do a lot of code switching? Um, I feel like because I've now been in the professional space for a while, mm. um, I feel like I've now sort of still definitely growing, um, but I'm definitely learning to be myself um, a lot more. Um, and I think depending on the organisation you work for, the team you work in, um, you, you, you know, it may take longer to kind of build that confidence. Um, but I think many times I have felt the need to, you know, of course I'm Nigerian, you know, I eat Nigerian food. A lot of the people that I know are probably Nigerian as well. So that bit of me is part of me, but do I always feel like I can bring that into a workplace? Maybe not as much, but I think that's down to you personally. Um, You know, you have to set that as, you know, a goal that you will be yourself. And I think that's what um, I would like to see. Um, I would like to see young professionals, regardless of your background, even regardless of your colour, that you can authentically be yourself. Um, And I think that's definitely where I'm going towards. I definitely don't feel like I'm code switching within my current role now. I feel like I'm myself. Um, And yeah, I will continue to be myself. Um, And and I think that's what everyone should really aspire to be. And hopefully companies you know, can definitely allow people yeah. to be authentically themselves. Yeah, definitely sure. I think code switching comes naturally, dare mm-hmm. I say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I used to speak to my, or the way I speak to my mum, I should say, mm-hmm. when I was a bit younger is different from the way I'd speak to my mates. Yeah. Um, you may call that code switching, but actually it's probably a level of respect. Mm-hmm. If I'm in a professional office environment, my mm-hmm. la- the language, the words I mm-hmm. use, it's going to be different mm. and that's why I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing mm. but if, if we're doing that code switching to hide mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. from our um, you know from our colleagues mm-hmm. then that's probably when it's probably a bit more problematic I think naturally you will have to have or I personally have to wear multiple hats yeah. um, and it's I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing mm. and I've when I think about it I've always been that way actually mm. and maybe that's why I feel that way about mm. it but I've always been 
you know, wearing different hats. Someone told me that when I'm on the phone with, with my aunt from Manchester, I've got a Manc accent. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> said, oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And I was like, yeah. no, I don't. And, and I realized actually that even though my wife was born and raised in Jamaica, mm-hmm. she very much has a Midlands accent. And mm-hmm. there are words and phrases that we use mm-hmm. that she wouldn't normally have said mm-hmm. in, in, you know, in mm-hmm. oh, okay. So I don't, and I don't see that being necessarily a problem because you do assimilate yeah. it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's interesting, but I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing. I think if you're afraid or if you're hiding, yeah. then there is something more to explore, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. probably, for me, feels a bit natural. Yeah. Yeah. Even like down to things like I know like culturally, if someone gets hurt, for example, um, like you know as a Nigerian, you'd be like, oh sorry, but you know, <laughs> but it's like it in the British culture, that's not the case. You don't apologize to someone for them, you know, hurting themselves. You say more like, oh, are you okay? Like I hope yeah, you're, I yeah. hope you didn't hurt yourself. I hope you're yeah. fine. Whereas you know, as a Nigerian person, if someone hurts themselves, you're like, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. It's interesting. So it's yeah. interesting. It's very interesting. I was yeah. walking down the stairs before. <laughs> And I was going down the stairs a bit narrow and I apologized to the guy coming up. I said, I'm sorry. And I noticed when I came back from lunch, the lady going down apologized as well. I was like, is that like, is that a code that we've developed over the years? <laughs> when you block someone on the steps, say sorry. <laughs> Liz, I want to talk to you and or about all of you about leadership. So black leadership in particular. Yes. Um, and, you know, recent research has suggested that 3.4% of all construction managers are from ethnic minorities. And in contrast, the population for ethnic minorities is around 14%. Um, so do you think that we should be doing more to be improving leadership representation, um, particularly among black people in the UK? And is there anything that we're doing at Pick Everard to, to promote sort of black, black leadership? Um, yeah, so, so for me, I think it's going to take a real industry-wide yeah. effort to, to address this, because obviously this has been sort of building up over... Um, decades hasn't mm. it and um, we, we've got to yeah. undo some of the poor practices of the past in attracting and retaining more ethnic diverse talent so um, I mean I guess the first thing I'd say about those stats is that obviously people have a choice and everyone's going to choose to go into mm. construction mm. Um, however I think there's more that we could do to put those choices in front mm. of people and that comes mm. down to um, how we uh, recruit and attract yeah. this um untapped talent mm. that that is there for us so i think if you've got um, a multifaceted talent attraction strategy um, that makes sure we're advertising in the right places mm. um, approaching new talent pools and also being mindful over the language we're using and how we represent our opportunities that could encourage mm. more people in mm. um, as well as of course the environment we present to them has to be an environment in which they can see themselves thriving mm-hmm. in. Yeah, and then um, I guess yeah, with with regards to then um, carrying that through to management and leadership positions and facilitating people's promotions mm-hmm. and and career journey. Um, I haven't seen many black or Asian trainers or coaches, no. if I'm yeah. perfectly honest. I've been mm-hmm. going out and looking to see yeah. who might we work with um, yeah. in these professional areas. So they are in a minority. But I think that we can be proactive in approaching a more diverse pool in terms yeah. of trainers and, and coaches and making sure um, that pe- people can associate and relate mm-hmm. to them and access yeah. that support just the yeah. same as, as everybody else. Yeah, fantastic. Um, well, I want to really end the podcast then on asking you that the theme of um, this year's Black History Month is, is pri- hashtag proud to be. Um, and I want to ask sort of Tammy and Sean mm-hmm. what you are proud of about being black British 
professionals? Um, I think for me, um, I'm definitely proud to be, you know, young, you know, female mm. black professional, um, you know, with with the with the academic background that I have. I think it's a an upgrade from what my um, parents had. So mm. I think I'm definitely proud of that. Um, but I'm also certainly proud now to be, um, you know, people and culture business partner um, now here at PIX. And I think it's a real opportunity, you know, for me to be able to contribute to, you know, some of these um, diversity and inclusion strategies, um, things that I can, I have a voice yeah. um, and I can real, I can make a real difference working alongside, you know, all of my colleagues um, for us to be able to say, yes, we are doing something. Yeah. Yes, we are making a change. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely proud of that. Fantastic. Thanks, Tammy. Sean? Yeah, I'm proud of um, my um, role. I think, um, when I first told my mom I didn't want to be an architect, she was probably heartbroken. But I think when she realised that an architect is one facet of the built yeah. environment mm-hmm. and that my decision to go into building information modelling and management thereafter was a bold step in her eyes, um, but an, uh, an innovative step. And I'm quite happy that I decided to do that because um, there aren't that many I think I've been to one conference in the last 10 years where I've saw another black guy yeah. who's um, on stage, you know, giving any, yeah. any discussions. And I think that's one of the um, things I'm most proud about myself. I didn't rightly, wrongly, deliberately or accidentally pay attention to that when I was younger. Mm. And I'm quite proud that now it actually shows that mm. you can do it and it makes the younger generation yeah. have someone to look up to as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thanks, Sean. And then Liz, can you just talk us through what are you proud of in terms of Pick Edward's um, approach to diversity and inclusion? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm proud that we don't bury our head mm. in the sand or, or shy away from opportunities to play our role in championing diversity and inclusion. Um, I'm proud that we look to champion change. Um, we haven't got it 100% right. It's something that we need to keep working on. It's something that we need to do all year round. Um, but I'm, I'm proud that we're stepping up mm. and, and playing our own part and mm-hmm. contributing um, to it in our own way. Fantastic, thank you. 